Welcome to episode 137 of Material. I'm one of your hosts, Russell Ivanovich. I am another of your hosts, Sandy Natko. And I am the last but not least host, Florence Ion. Hello, everyone. Hello. Ugh, this is so we're, ha- we're we're each of us having not a great day. I or had a migraine. Too- yeah, I had a debilitating migraine, and usually what that means is I'm out for the day after <laughs> taking concoction of things. <laughs> and I just record yeah. this during lunch hours, so I'm just hungry. I'm going to start eating this yeah. table. <laughs> nah. Well, and and also I had to I had to do a radio show like in Boston today. And so it was pleasant when I left the house and then it started snowing and didn't stop snowing. And I wound up as instead of having a lovely lunch and then maybe a nice walk through Boston Common before taking my train home, it was, why don't I take a different train home that doesn't actually stop at the stop I need it to because I have a feeling that a lot of the train system is going to be shut down. And Did so- you do this last week? I could have sworn you had a similarly, or you had a similar gripe about Taking the wrong train last week. I'm sensing a pattern here, Mr. Nako. <laughs> it wasn't the wrong train. It was a meeting that was supposed to end by X date. What, what do you remember when the, the word the what, remember when the, the, the term hard out meant something to anybody? It does not mean anything anymore. Yeah, no. Not I'm in like, have a hard It was so good. It was like, like oh. it, it meant that, okay, but I, I can I can do that, but I remember I've got a hard out at 2 30. And that would mean that. Oh, Listen, I gotta go. We gotta right. stop. <laughs> and it and it meant you could even do things like, well, Andy, I don't think Andy, Andy, why isn't Andy there? Oh, that's right. He did say he had a hard out, so he didn't even ask permission to terminate the Skype. He actually had to go because that was literally the last minute he could. Nobody anyway. does that. Nobody does that though. <sighs> They'll never like you'll never get forgiven. That's the hard part of the hard out. Welcome to you'll being never like be forgiven. Interconnected with everybody 24 7. 24 7, 365. Never leave the house like me. Yeah. Really. This hey, is yeah. the work from home situation. <laughs> we, we've got to do the quick weather whip around just because I'm interested. So, Andy, snowing where you are, Flo? It's been 76 to 80 degrees for the last three days. That's, I'm not good at the Fahrenheit, but that's quite warm, isn't it? It's, it's really Sounds comfortable. Warm. It's like peak springtime weather right now. It's incredibly weird. It's about 25 degrees Celsius. It's actually really nice. I kind of wish I was there. So today, where I am, it's like way over 100. So it's in the 40s. Woo. 100, you said 110 degrees Fahrenheit. That's how you translated it to me and my American brain. <laughs> I did. Um, it was actually, it was actually 108, <laughs> but I just wanted to make it feel just that little bit higher. No, you have to round it off a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, so what if it's 73? It's actually 75. <laughs> it's not actually 76. It's actually 80. <laughs> That's what I love about your weather system. Like, it's crazy. I don't understand it. It goes over 100. That's where water's meant to boil for us. But the fact that it's such a big range means you can round up and you can make it sound really impressive like i do like the fact that you can sit in america and you'd be like it's 100 degrees out today that's my american accent by the way so and, but in australia you're like oh, it's, 40. it's really hot very hyperbolic and everyone's is like what you're just saying is that different to 30 like i don't get it 40 30 same thing when america you got this huge range i like it just double it and add 30 and you'll be okay oh does that actually work did you make that up uh, is that a real thing for for temperature <laughs> <laughs> at least at least that's what I'm going by and I've haven't been corrected since we since that really adorable attempt huh. to make us go metric when I was a kid. Huh. <laughs> there were there were posters and activity books and coloring books and everyone got like a, a free ruler that was a meter instead of a yard. 
And we all said, oh, honey, we we love that you're so emotionally involved in trying to get us to go not to go metric, but it's just not for us. Andy, We're- they had marketing material about this. This is insane. What is wrong with this country? Exactly. <laughs> they had marketing well, material for the metric system. From an outsider perspective, I'm like, why didn't you switch? It would make a lot more sense because if there's something I can get on board with, it's meters and kilometers. When I, when I have to go like... Five feet three and a half point two seven 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 six inches and whatever the other unit of measurement you have is. I'm like, how even long is that? Nobody knows. It doesn't make any sense. I should get off this topic before I get um, murdered by some Americans. Can I share something really quick and cool with you that I, I found during the week? So we've we've had this reoccurring segment that Andy introduced about, you know, here's all these cool apps that you didn't know from Google in the Google Play Store, freely available, and, hey, you didn't know about them. They do cool things. Um, I found a slight... something slightly tangentially related so for those that know on the pixel 2 it's got that ambient i'm listening to to music thing and it can be like oh i heard this song in the background just pops up a little icon and it's like hey this is the song that was playing at this particular time like here right now and i found a cool app in the um the play store called now playing history and what it does is it actually picks up those notifications that google puts out and then it lists them List them in like um, time order down your thing, which I think is just super cool. So I can scroll back and see like on Monday at like 3 p.m. This is the particular song that was playing. And the even cooler part is the Google uh, Pixel is smart enough to pick up things like themes from TV shows. So if if ever Michelle and I are watching mm-hmm. some kind of TV show, that actually appears in here. I don't know exactly what time the theme song from that like TV show played. So I thought that was really cool. It's called Now Playing History. It's in the Play Store. I think it's a, a paid app, but it's not very expensive. You should get it if you're interested. Mm. Now, but that that's only the times you activated the assistant and said, hey, identify this piece of music that's playing. No, no, right? no, no. So no, based act- on the passive No, no, thing. no. Yeah, it just picks it picks up from that little metadata that is in the going on in the background, that little AI that's always listening. Yeah. So, uh, really? Yeah. So, the way it yeah. works, if you're like a developer and you're like, how on earth does this work? Yeah. It actually hooks into the little notification that... Um, your phone puts up there. So that app sees the notification and just records the fact that, you know, it's this song at this time. And it's just consistently scanning a, like, giant but very compressed file of songs, which happens to include a lot of, I'm finding very interesting songs that I didn't even think, like, I don't know where that song is, but the smartphone does. It knows exactly who that is. <laughs> well, no, I, I okay, I know about that technology. I actually used it today. I was in Starbucks compiling notes and I had I had that see I'm in, I'm I'm in that transitional generation where the thought does occur to me oh what an interesting song oh too bad I'll never know what it is but, oh wait a minute of course I can find out I'll just ask the assistant to identify yeah. the song but I, the, I I'm used to that being something you have to specifically activate or even maybe install an app that says please always be listening it's not always it's not always keeping the microphone open to yeah, find out. Sure. Okay, I thought I thought I might have learned something new today that would have been very very dis- <laughs> that would have been very very bothersome. Well, I will say Starbucks is the perfect trigger for that feature, like or just being in a coffee shop. Like I've been co working a lot, and I just leave my phone down and I, I look down, and you know it tells me in the little at the bottom like what's playing in the background. It really has given me another thing to do to procrastinate from actually doing my work. It actually even picks up, um, for those listening, see if anyone can actually recognize this music. It even picks up um, things from video games. So that's the, I won't tell you, I won't spoil it, it's the theme song at the moment to a particular video game that I was playing the other day and it's here. 
in my collection. Oh, it's because like... it's an OST, original soundtrack. Oh, I didn't know that term. Is that, OST. Is that what OST means? Original yep. soundtrack. I'm willing to go with you on that. So uh, there you go. Wednesday anyway, nine twenty eight pm. That's what I was doing, Flo. Yeah, because uh, all the video games have their own like soundtracks and. Which, by the way, a lot of them are on Spotify. By the way, anyway. you win, you win yes. one of our awesome prizes if you can guess where that song's from. Just just write it and tell us. Yes, I've been listening to the Cuphead soundtrack quite a bit since I bought it off of. Actually, I think I think I got it downloaded off of SoundCloud. I forget where I bought it from. Might have but might have bought it off of SoundCloud or someplace. But because it's a video game that's your basic like side scroller with the heroes are always in peril. It's really great because I feel like I'm in like a, a chase scene in a 1920s comedy every time I'm like cleaning my cleaning my kitchen. So it really, really, really gets the, the blood going and makes me want to get to the next checkpoint really, really quickly. But speaking speaking of really cool things that are free, uh, I don't know if you guys got it, but if you have a Google Home, I got a free audiobook offer on Google Play. Where I just went to the Play Store and it said, "Oh, by the way, have a free, free audiobook on us," or maybe it was through an email. But I was informed as an owner of a Google Home that not just uh, it's not just the half off offer as they're trying to uh, launch the Google Play audiobook store, but it was no, 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 take a free book on us. Don't you don't have to sign up for anything. It's not like Audible.com where if you sign up, you get your first book for free and you can keep it, but you're on a subscription plan. And so it kind of got me in a little bit of a quandary. I felt like maybe I was part of a psychological or sociological experiment because I nor- I do subscribe to Audible, so I do have like a wish list of books that I want to get as soon as my one credit a month comes to comes around. And so unthinkingly, I was about to just simply buy whatever that next book was, and it happened, I forget what it was, but it was uh, like the on the Play Store, it was like $9.99. It was like a four or five hour uh, a four or five hour book. And then I realized this, but okay, I, this is a book that I'm looking forward to and I will enjoy it, but I, it won't be sticking it to Google. If I'm, if I'm like, if you're, if you are win a contest, you can go into Toys R Us or the toy store and grab one of anything. You probably aren't going to go for like the pack of Tinker Toys that goes for $18. Even if you don't want like the HTC VR PlayStation for $1,300, on principle, the fact that this is $1,300 and you can get it for free means that you should get it. So I wound up buying a book that I already had on Audible, uh, uh, David McCulloch's biography of John Adams, only uh, only on the vir- on the virtue of the fact that it was like $60 list and the Google Play Store price was $44. So now I have a second copy of it available on Google Play even though I already have it on Audible I could probably even convert it strip out the the DRM on it. I, is that how is that normal for humans or am I just kind of weird? Is that, is that does that point to a defect in my character do you think? I'm sorry. I'm sitting here stewing about the fact that I only got 50% off Same. an audiobook. Mine's only 50% off, It is not giving off, me Andy. a free audiobook. We're not sorry, all Andy, Andy. and Nutka getting 100% <laughs> off. I'm just oh. very, like, I'm sitting here. I was just going through and going, where's my free offer? I only got 50% off. <laughs> um, Andy, you are, you have, you, you consume content a lot more uh, with vigor than I do, I have to say. I feel like I am not as I don't consume. Maybe it's just because I'm. I tend to not leave the seat. 
<laughs> so I don't want to get up and do anything. Um, but I tend to just default to whatever is digitally available to me. Hmm. Which maybe limits me. Yeah. <laughs> I got scared off. I've been, I, you know, I got, I, I got a lot of, uh, you know, you've reached your internet cap too many times, and you know, it's just, I might as well just do nothing. <laughs> I just, I, I just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm almost done cleaning out my old house. I'm a, I'm a really, really good witness to what happens if you consume a lot of media that is physical, because you, we wind up ten years later having to price out dumpsters <laughs> for all the stuff that you have to get rid of because you don't, you can't rent. A sec, you can't rent like an apartment across the street just to keep all of your books and LPs and CDs and games on. You know what? That's a really good point. Um, I'm running into that myself. Just I'm trying to figure out how to store the books that I have whittled down to. Um, it's also worth noting, I was just like catching up on Twitter after like the worst migraine ever. Um, and a friend of mine was talking about that Spotify has like a limit to how many songs you could add to your library. And I was just thinking about that. Like if you're like me and you're consuming everything through a, through a cloud, like there's a limitation to that. There's a limitation to how much you actually own because you're just paying for a subscription. You're just paying for access to these things. You know, it's just like, it's like going to the library. Except it's not free. Yeah. And, what, and why would they? Why would they put a limit on that? Is is that like a coding problem where they just back when they started the service? I wonder if it's a rights if it's a rights issue. Whenever yeah, it comes maybe. to yeah music and other content, like especially books as well, it's always a rights issue. <laughs> yeah, but I do have to say, it is. I feel like we're gonna go into this this route where everything is gonna be very ecosystem based, and I feel like little sprouts of DRM are kind of, you know, maybe come back into play just to sort of keep things competitive, Um, which is not very consumer friendly. But when you have all these companies competing for ad dollars and eyes and subscriptions, like it's, it really comes down to every little person that you can attract with what services you offer. (laughs) I am going to try out the audiobook thing, though, I haven't really jumped on that train along with everybody else. I never got into Audible, so yeah. I mean, I'm that, excited. That, we, I can I can speak freely about this because Audible is not a subscriber, uh, not not a uh, not an advertiser. But yeah, I I got into Audible largely because when I uh, I used to have uh, like a four time a week commute of an hour and a half each way. Yeah, and that's when you discover audiobooks. And then I kept it. Then when I when I fortunately after a year didn't have to do that commute anymore, it became my I want to take a walk, so I'll listen to an audiobook. And now it's still that, but the big deal is that whenever it's like housework or some sort of piece of some sort of a piece of busy work that doesn't require my full intellectual involvement, but it requires me to do that th- do that mechanical work. Again, like cleaning the house or just getting through like 800 emails, I'll put an audiobook on. I find that uh, a Neil Gaiman novella 
usually is about the amount of time it takes for me to start and finish a big like household project or like if there's a piece of furniture that say you know how you 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 bought the lumber for that for that table that you decided that you needed to fit that really weird space in the corner there and you went on to the, you, you used your 3D app to design it so you know exactly how to make it but it's been sitting there for 3 weeks let's just build that damn table and move forward it's like okay I'll put on an audiobook it's it's when you get into that trance state of work you can still follow along with the story and you're tricking yourself into thinking that no 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 I'm not doing work I'm actually just li- having a story said to me so speaking of audiobooks um Google Home Max Max. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks Max. since it's been out. Um, I haven't really heard much more buzz about it since its launch. Since you know what I'm assuming was the well, actually there wasn't really much of a flow. There was a bit of a trickle of reviews of this thing coming in. Um, I'm gonna say just on that point, Floyd. I, yeah, I always feel like Google. I don't want to disparage anyone in the Google marketing department who might be listening, but. Either either they're really trying hard and it's just not getting through or they're just not very good at like the actual launch date of a product. Like I feel like if other companies are launching something, so like a Samsung or an Apple or whatever, you know when that damn product's launching. I don't even know when the Google Home launched or when it's available for sale or where it's available for sale or the reviews didn't all drop on some particular like embargo date. It just seems to be like you're saying it just kind of trickled out and people are like, yeah, it's a thing now. Yeah, the the Max uh, announced in October was launched about three. Rather, people started getting them about three or four weeks ago. But uh, of course, uh, Apple has all of people's attention for smart speakers this week. With every, <laughs> I don't know if they're really happy with the reviews because all of them say, "Oh my God, it's really great sound. The sound is great. The really wonderful sound. I can't believe the sound. I would I would listen to the sound, and the sound was wonderful. <laughs> like that's great. Uh, so uh, how does how does Siri work? Oh my God! The sound, the sound is great. Oh, okay, but uh, uh, and, do you like uh, setting one timer? Apple. Yeah, it's all about if you're using Apple Music or or Apple or iTunes cloud matching service, then it's a very decent. And you don't ever ask, ask it to do anything for you except for play the music. It's really, really great. I mean, legitimately, what wonderful sound! If you're asking it to do anything interesting at all, other than be a speaker that works through AirPlay or Apple Music, uh, what's the term these days? Wah, wah. It gets even weirder, Andy. Like when you step out of the room with your phone that's connected to it, suddenly it can't do half the stuff it used to be able to do with the Siri side of things. I'm like, that is just really weird. <laughs> yeah, in 2018, it's uh, it's it's a it's a building year. Let's say it's a 1.0. But you can, you can. I think you can tell that. Uh, to, to your point earlier, I think that Google is figuring out that perhaps we should do something to make remind people that our own Google Home Max <laughs> exists. Uh, when the product managers uh, got had, gave it like a excuse me, uh, the Google Home Max lead acoustics engineer Francis Kui uh, gave an interview with Android Authority <laughs> uh, and was talking about how oh look we've got our smart sounds feature it's got smart sound because uh, we've got six microphones that uh, that optimizes the smart sound performance really trying to make it sound as though it, it is it is a sophisticated thing it's not just an amplified bluetooth speaker heaven for friend but they really want it whereas apple is really hammering high and making sure that everybody who reviews it knows that and it, 
to, when you when you put the when you put the HomePod uh, in, in where you're going to listen to music in the first ten seconds it'll spend with those tweeters just trying to define the acoustics of the room and then it will use computational audio I'm to so make sure that the guitar is so tired so bored not by you Andy I just no 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 the the general conversation around the HomePod because y'all Google Assistant is so superior to Siri. I can't even explain. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Go on, no. guys. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Up on the I'm just, stuff, it's sitting here quietly it, stewing. It's, suddenly you can do this thing where like, okay, Siri's not very good. What do we talk about instead? Audio quality. And suddenly everyone accepts that. Oh, smart speakers have always been about audio quality. But it's unfair. Audio quality is so terrible. It's like, not what? fair. What? It's not fair. I don't think it's fair. I think we need to compare assistance to assistance here because this is what apparently we're like, we are forgetting how much data we have given Google to be able to do all of this neat stuff. Like just lean into it. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> just accept it. Um, I certainly have. Yeah, it, it, it feels like we have an opportunity. If, if this were the good old days of like the eighties and the nineties where App where Mac people, uh, the Apple when marketing the Mac could really go after Windows, and then yeah. Windows could really go after the Mac. This would be an interesting replay of that. You say, yeah, wow, yeah, we don't we don't deny that if you have both of these side by side and were to tr- spend a whole lot of time listening to a bunch of different music, maybe more people would like you, but. Here's what, here's what you can do with our speaker that you can't do with the HomePod. And then you have a long scrolling list and you have people who can't listen to that music because, oh, you're on Spotify? Well, here's here's what here's how good the Spotify music sounds on our speaker. And now here's your Spotify playlist on HomePod. Oh, Andy, that's unfair. It's just the biggest music service in the world. It's unfair to say that it's, it's, it's bad that it's not on there. Uh, I hey, think Taylor hey, Swift it's... is on Apple Music, so I guess they have I just that. have double the subscribers that Apple Music has. Does, doesn't mean it has to be on there. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I think, was well, that line about uh, uh, Spinal Taps fandom? No, I, I, don't, I don't believe that it means that uh, that uh, that their fan base is smaller. I think it's just that uh, they become, that our fans are most, more selective. <laughs> more discerning. That movie's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think um, a Google Home Max is not in the cards for me as a purchase this year. It's just a little too expensive for me. I have already, you know, we've got one of those old school, um, one of those old school speaker situations in the living room that I'm perfectly happy with. It, you know, it shakes when we watch movies. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> you know, it does the job that it needs to do when we want to dance. Um, and all I had to do was plug in a little $35 Chromecast, uh, audio dongle in there. So that is a reminder to everybody that that thing exists. And if you want to transform, um, well, you can't, you're not attaching an assistant to the speakers, but you are attaching the casting ability, which if you're an Android user is super slick and super Mm -hmm. awesome. Actually, I kind of want one of those though. I'll have to. I'll have to say. I'm. Th- I'm thinking. I'm thinking about getting a Google or, Home Max. Well, it's four hundred. Yeah, four hundred bucks. bucks. It's not sorry. that bad. But I have to basically. It, I, I. I do have that pool of mad money that yeah. in, in PayPal that every time that like my my cut of whatever revenue that this podcast gets, that's for like stuff that I can kind of justify, but not really. 
and so perhaps you should lead us lead me into temptation by having another ad so put me a little bit closer to that 399 bucks i'm going to need while i find someplace selling it that takes paypal of course i just want to remind everyone also that the google home is a perfectly good speaker not the google home mini it's it's not a music speaker <laughs> do not get it to listen to music uh you can get away with a podcast but it's like it is not for music it is that is purely for home control. The Google Home, though, I still think is a pretty legitimate little music speaker, and I stand by that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with mine. And I mean, the other thing yeah. is Google has like chosen not to sell the Google Home Max in Australia, so I feel like they've just saved my wallet there. Don't even have to make the decision. They're just like, we're not selling it in your country. Sorry. Yeah. There, you know, and there is the the argument to be made that rather than spending three hundred fifty dollars for a HomePod or even four hundred dollars for the Home Max, to take that amount of money to buy two or even three regular Google Homes, because you can pair them up, you can make sure that they act as a group. So that would basically, with two or three Google Homes, that would mean that you will have assistant and streaming music from that same channel throughout your entire house you can link them together so that the same stuff is streaming from all of them so that that's a what it lacks in fidelity it might make up for inconvenience depending on what you use this stuff for if you're listening to to podcasts for instance i don't i'm not sure how much better my voice will sound with that wonderful smart sound technology i i think that the my voice is just plain adequate through <laughs> I, I i don't uh, my coloratura is not what it once was when i when i was a young baritone at age 19 i don't even know what i sing in <laughs> i can't even tell you <laughs> sorry <laughs> all i know is i'm not celine dion hey <laughs> and i think it's time now for the first ad this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code MATERIAL at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to show off a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't even have to worry about anything. Just nothing. You worry about nothing because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. So if you've got an idea, if you've got a blog, maybe you want to hang out with some of your friends on the internet and come up with some stories together. Maybe you just want to collab with some of the kids in the block. You could do that with Squarespace. You can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase to show your support for this material podcast. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace make your next move and make your next website well let's get into some super super interesting stuff let's let's talk about the google quarterly report there you oh, know there, there are two oh, yeah 
There are two things I love about participating in tech podcasts. One is legal action between companies, and the other is earnings (laughs) reports. But let's—it did happen, so let's talk about. There were there were some interesting, interesting, and sometimes funny notes uh, from the uh, from Google's earnings call. Kind of cool. uh, For the first time, they broke one hundred billion dollars in revenue. Uh, for the first time in history, I'm, we're talking about the Alphabet, not necessarily Google. So all of the uh, all of the Alphabet companies. Uh, so they had uh, revenues one hundred ten billion dollars. That was the first time that's happened uh, in history. Uh, as usual, the lion's share was uh, in the ad business. They pulled that took up uh, twenty seven billion. Another nice little note is that the their cloud operations broke the billion dollar per quarter barrier for, again for the first time. Watch um, out, people, Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch out, Apple. It made 60-something 60, 60 billion dollars. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and that apparently hard, and hardware is also doing pretty well. Uh, that's still in uh, other bets, the other bets category where they lump everything that's not making a, an amazing, shocking, wonderful, proud amount of money. Uh, other bets is still running at a loss, uh, but those losses are down. Last time I think we talked about it. There was a there. Google was talking a lot about how they really want their their new their new uh, uh, financial officer wanted to really rain down uh, the money they're throwing away on things that aren't necessarily real products yet. So uh, that it, was, it lost about a billion dollars the same quarter last year. Now it only lost nine hundred sixteen million dollars. So less than a billion. Uh, but uh, sales were up 56% of hardware to $409 million. So that was a good thing. Uh, they also in the now, now I, I don't want all you people out there who love math jokes, make put down the cup of coffee, swallow the, the, the coffee you got in your mouth or else you're going to spit take at this. Google is buying back a certain amount of stock. What the value of the stock they're buying back is uh, $8,589,869,056 dollars. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's that's so funny. I can't believe. I know. They, yeah, I totally get that joke. <laughs> okay, well, it's, that's a perfect number. You see, where it's uh, equal to the. So some of his divisors. Okay, well, again, it's, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's not as funny as uh, the buyback they did in 2015, which was five billion nine hundred ninety nine million nineteen thousand five hundred thirteen dollars and fifty nine cents, which Such was the classic. square root of twenty six to the power of ten eighteen, being that twenty six was the number of letters. Again, you know. This is this is why we're doing this on a Tuesday night at the Laugh Factory. We're working out material. You know, we're going we're going on the Tonight Show next week. We got a roadhouse. This sort of stuff. Maybe this will be tightened up. Okay, but it's a at least you at least you enjoy that they're trying. They're trying to be clever. <laughs> I'm just imagining a room full of accountants, and accountants are wonderful people. By that, I don't mean anything disparaging. But they're sitting in the room. They're like, this is <laughs> accountants are wonderful people. And then after them, someone gets up clear. and they're like, "What's up with airplane food?" And they're like, "Oh, what's up? Oh, it's hilarious. It's so good." Yeah, I, I mean, I do enjoy this kind of stuff in the press because I. Earnings reports, like you say, Andy, always serious, always very boring. It's always like Jeez. made this money here, lost this money here. It's it's kind of interesting to try and watch other people analyze it and go, yeah, okay, that's an interesting trend. But when they do little things like this, it just shows that you can be serious and have a bit of fun at the same time. They would have made more money if it wasn't for those pesky taxes. It's yeah. pesky. So pesky, pesky, pesky taxes <laughs> that they paid in the United States. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Let's not talk about taxes. It's that time of year. It is that time of year. I don't know about that. It is that time of year. 
They also announced a new chairman of the board, uh, Eric Schmidt, who's been on, the, on uh, their chairman of the board for ages and ages and ages, uh, announced he was stepping down. Uh, I guess on uh, January 31st, the board voted John L. Hennessy, who's been a board member since 2004. He's former Stanford U, Stanford University president. And if you read a little bit about him, as I did last week, because, of course, I didn't remember his name, it turned, one of his part of his value to Google has been creating that sort of link between Stan, not only Stanford and Google, but he's also on the board of lots of other organizations in the Bay Area. So he's a, he's operated as that plastic funnel that leads brains, grinds them up finely and squirts them into Mountain View, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the joke in the Bay Area is that Stanford is a Google factory. It's just where you, if somebody in high school gets accepted to Stanford, you go, well, we know where you're going to work. You're going to be a doctor or work at Google because <laughs> that's essentially what people do at Stanford. Or they become teachers with incredible debt <laughs> because they have a great English program there but it's like super like that's a lot of money to spend for anything i'm just I'm sorry <laughs> not, i'm not saying anything about anybody's education but a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money <laughs> i'm just saying yeah relative I, to how much you make I, 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 i'm anyway. with you there there's i i, I think this that isn't about I, that I, I would like to influence like all everyone who is like in high school and they're applying to colleges I don't make the mistakes that I don't, I'm, I'm, I'll speak. I'll only speak for myself. When I when I was a kid, there was still the oh, you're you're getting accepted into colleges. What a great honor it is. And as I get older, actually, like when I was as old as like two years out of college, I realized that no, they should have told me that this is the largest consumer item you're gonna buy until you get into your 30s or 40s or whatever and buy your first house. So if you basically if, if someone offered lucky. you a two bedroom house for $125,000, but there was also a two bedroom house same quality that would get you the same sort of living for let's say $8,000, I it would be okay with me to go to like you know, go to a state school, to go to University of Massachusetts. Instead of I went to I I went to Wrestler Polytechnic. <laughs> it was a great school. I enjoy, I learned a lot. I enjoyed it. But perhaps I would have said, why don't I just take all the money that I would have spent for the for the bonus education and put it towards grad school, or just simply walked out. <laughs> See, and and when realized that when I was a kid, I had the ability to like pay off my student loans before I was like thirty, because even at like a really nice school, they didn't realize that oh. You mean that we can really soak these people for hundreds of thousands of dollars? There are no laws against that? Hey! I apologize to send us down that track. I, I didn't mean to, but I did mean to call out the fact that um, there is a lot of, uh, like... I want to call it corporate, nep not corporate, I guess, but brand nepotism in yeah. Silicon Valley that is just become very detrimental to the Bay Area as a whole. And yeah, I get a little, I get a little, you know, I get a little scratched. I get a little red, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of like great kids, you know, at state schools who would love 
um, anyway, okay, we're going to move on from this topic. <laughs> I think I speak on behalf of all our international listeners. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I, yeah, I know. Confession, I, I thought Stanford was in Jim England. Just Cambridge is in England. Fade right? out of that conversation. No, no, it's fine. I've learned something. I always thought Cambridge and Stanford were both like English. Do they call them universities? Whatever they call them in England land. I've realized that it's actually American because it has jumpers and stuff. I should have should have twigged. If it has hats and jumpers, <laughs> it's an American college, university. What do you guys call them? Universities, yes. All right, but if if if, if it if it can only give you one degree, one kind of degree is a college. If it's a a conglomeration of colleges, it's a university. All right, I, I promise I won't bring up my free education that I got here in Australia on this podcast at all because that would be terrible. That's Ouch. it's a, it's a bad time to rub this sort of Bleeding stuff in over here. Completely and utterly free, but let's let's not go there at all. Um, I do have an interesting story that we've added to the show. Yes. Here. Cast really your mind back ask. to 2014, if you will. Mm-hmm. Google, still called Google, there's no alphabet back then, buys Nest for $3.2 billion. I had bangs when this happened, by the way. Yeah, okay. And there you go. The haircut I had. Tony Fidel was running a Nest at the time, you know, art, former iPod architect, you know, he was on that project. Came, oh, came yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, remember that guy? 2015, <laughs> yeah. the alphabet forms and suddenly Nest is its own company. Google's like, no, no, we're going to spin off all these things. Like Google's a company, Nest is a company. They're all different companies now. Don't worry about it. It's fine. 2016, a whole bunch of weird, weird stuff happens with Nest. Fidel ends up leaving. Um, we, we've talked about that before. We won't even go there. Um, he's eventually replaced by... Um, Entrepreneur, it's a Mawan Fawaz, I believe it's pronounced. He's now the Nest CEO. And then suddenly, fast forward to 2018, we're here, and suddenly Google announces that Nest is once again under the Google brand. So they're no longer their own company, sort of spun off on their own. They've been brought back in yet again, so they've done the full trip. Flo was showing us a Nest. What is that? <laughs> this is the Nest Secure security kit. I just got it today. I'm showing uh, I'm showing Andy and Russell on our little Skype webcam. Uh, this little box of the next Nest well, Secure, which includes camera? It looks like a little the alarm the system thing. starter pack. I bring this to you because I just want to bring up the fact that this has a lot of Google technology in it. And this whole thing, I think, is just a way to streamline the whole Nest Google brand partnership just to like make it easier because this has a lot of Google's machine learning in it. And that's going to be the thing that they're going to use because... Um, DIY security market is going to be very saturated now. <laughs> there are so many brands out there that are doing their own like DIY security solution. Um, and I just think it's interesting that a lot of them have their own version of machine learning that's inside each of them. And so it's going to be interesting to see Google sort of how it's going to compete. Um, I, I think it's going to be easy for Google because again, Everybody has a Google account. Everybody knows what Google can do. And you add a little Nest security system, then you have Google. You are literally living in a Google house. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that that pivot a lot of companies made a few years ago to like we can blanket your house and cameras, upload the camera footage 24-7 to the web. And people are like, well, what on earth am I going to do with this? Like nine, nine sort of like 90% of the time there's no one in the footage. It's just like... It's a shot of my front door or my back door or the inside of my house. Absolutely no one in the frame. Or sometimes it's me in the frame. It's like, do I care when I'm in the house? Probably not. And then all these companies suddenly simultaneously have this idea. They're like, we have this stuff called machine learning. We can recognize people's faces now. Like, what if we actually did something with that? And they've all trying to be madly sort of running to that. I know Ring is sort of in this game. Nest is like all the other camera manufacturers. They're like, we want to recognize when someone you don't know walks into the frame and do like 
cool and interesting stuff with that. Every single security camera I saw at CES claimed to have some sort of like facial recognition technology. It's just (laughs) become this, this commodity terminology. It's just like everybody uses it as part of their marketing spiel. Um, I am very familiar with the Nest ecosystem and I'm very, I'm very curious to see how Google is going to pivot in the next year. I think this is something that we're going to be talking a lot about this year because I'm seeing less and less of this focus on Android solely. I'm seeing less and less this focus on Android being a platform and no and more on like Google as a lifestyle because this is like the easiest way to sell to people and technology. Like you have to sell it by making it this very easy to understand, easy to integrate thing. Um, and by having a brand recognition for stuff like DIY security cameras, that's, I mean, that's money. You're printing money. Yeah. Well, also we're, we're in an age where, uh, artificial intelligence for people who don't just use it as a buzzword, they use it as a way of making good products. Great. Google, yeah. it's it's like it's, it's like years ago when Apple was the only company that really had multi-touch going and everybody else didn't have anything to sell and they had to learn really, really quickly. Oh, if, yeah. If artificial intelligence is the new multi-touch, it's, it's – and it probably is because it's not – if uh, I don't have to try to sell you a whole new phone and a whole new app system, I can sell you a $150 Google Home or I can sell you a little gadget that has some smarts built in, that has some articulation, some version of the Google Assistant built in. And now you've got you can have them side by side with whatever other products you have. And then you notice that you just like talking to the Google voice better than the Amazon voice. And suddenly they got you. And maybe the next time and maybe the next time you do go shopping for a phone, you'll think, I really like what the assistant does for me in the morning. And I really love what it does for me when I'm setting alarms and when I'm telling it to do things and organizing things. I'd love to have that on my phone as well. And it's a five years ago, it would have been different to say that to to think of a smart speaker and a home security camera as having any sort of shared DNA between them. Today, when you say that, no, 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 these are both being made by Google. It's not as though these work together very well. Google is putting the same intelligence that it puts into its phone operating system, that it puts into its uh, its, uh, Android TV, that it puts into everything else, into this. So something, if you have the ability to... Uh, so that your your camera will have the ability to recognize commands that are coming from your speaker and will all be the same friendly lady voice or the friendly dude voice uh, that helps all of that out. So I think putting Google putting the Google label on the uh, on these Nest cameras, apart, if that's what they're doing, uh, could only help everybody. That that is a good question. I wonder if they're going to keep the Nest name or make this into this is the this is the Google Pixel They'll put <laughs> security an assistant camera. logo. They'll put an assistant yeah, logo yeah, that's in what the I corner. Feel like. Nest with that's like Google Assistant do. built in cuz Nest yeah. Nest is a fairly recognized brand like even here in Australia like people have heard of Nest and potentially it gets around I don't know not everyone is like this but if you have some sort of reservations about putting a Google camera in your home I feel like if it has Nest on it with Google Assistant you might be more willing to They're going to keep Nest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I th- yeah, I mean, but the, this it's it, it's Apologies for interrupting. I just wanted to add the fact that um, I have a feeling this might include a physical move. I actually did not read up on that. It's possible it says something out there. Uh, it, 
might include a physical moving of the Nest employees because currently they are in Palo Alto, yeah. whereas Google's in Mountain View. And that's like that's still about a 20 minute drive apart. Like that's a, that's not like working next door. Um, so I have a feeling doing this integration will be better for the overall just Google product trajectory. And I imagine with like Rick Osterloh being there, I mean, he knows this this is his thing is having all these brand he's weaving in all these different branches into one little like google cluster of hardware makers motorola yeah. hcc yep. he, what i'm assuming he, inside google he's in control of pixel he's in control of yeah. chromecast he's in control of google home it'd be kind of interesting if they were to just take the uh, take the nest logo and say anything that is not Something that you type into, we'll call that a Nest because that's a that's a more friendly thing. Or maybe they just want to have the the Google thing. I think uh, Nest will stay as the smart home because the Nest is you know the physical like the physical Nest like the idea <laughs> that this is. Um, I think it's very good branding if it stays Nest instead of going Google. Uh, but man, this is going to be a year where these ecosystems are just going to grow for everybody, not just Google. So expect to see this happening across the brand board, the board of brands. The board of brands. I, I really hope they can manage this this well because I feel like the last few years of Google hardware releases has been a big improvement on the stuff that, that came before it. And oh, yeah, they will. E even on this the software side of things because when you think about it, okay, I want to cut a cast your mind back to May of 2015. That's when Google Photos launched. So I did not have bangs then. Didn't have bangs then. Good. We we should um we should have like a timeline of when flow like did and didn't have before bangs, bangs and after bangs. Yes, BB and AB. BB, AB. I like AB. <laughs> um, but before that time, right? So I, I was happily storing my photos in uh, the iCloud Photo Stream or whatever it was called back then. I was I was pretty happy with the service. It kind of like mostly worked. It synced between my phones or whatever. It had some issues where I had to run my own local backup, but whatever. And suddenly in May 2015, Google Photos launches, and literally the only thing they had to tell me apart from all their other features was like we can recognize. Every Every single face in this. We don't know who it is, but we can recognize all the instances of this face. We'll put it in a group and we also recognize like the locations. I'm like, done. Like we're done. That's, that is the one feature like I've wanted forever. <laughs> but it forever. doesn't just recognize the faces. It recognizes that this is the creepy part that we don't think about. I mean, it's not that it's creepy. It's also extremely cool is I will be out with my friends and none of these people are in my contacts list, but because they were included on some thread in an email, they... Google automatically knows that, knows their face. How does it know their face because of the own, their own uh, imagery that they uploaded? Or this, at least this is what I assume. Yeah, but even like that, that is a cool feature. But I'm saying even if you left all that aside, if all they could do was just say this Sorry. is the same person from, <laughs> no, no, you made a good point, from like childbirth all the way until like 97 or whatever, it, it knows that person at each step. And for me, like I was manually cataloging people's faces. I'm like, yes, that's me. No, that's not me. And I'll get this wrong uh -oh, all the time. It just brings a picture yeah. of some random, is this you? I'm like, God damn it, Apple, like that yeah. is not me. Like it's not even, even look alike. And that frustrated the heck out of me. And Google could have said absolutely nothing else except like we have facial recognition based on like machine learning and AI and the fact that it worked like I was sold and like you say Flo there's a ton of other sort of benefits to it like they can link in I have the same thing it's like do you want to share this with so and so I'm like pretty sure so and so is not in my contacts like how on earth like don't understand but even if they didn't have those features just the fact that they had this one machine learning feature in there that nobody else had at the time made me switch to their product and I migrated like 80 gigabytes of something worth of photos like that day I'm like I'm in and it, and it worked and I've been using it ever since so I feel like Andy had a point there is that 
if machine learning becomes the next multi-touch, it'll be features like that. Like there'll just be one feature that you're like, wow, like how did I live life before I could type in like name name of my cat on a table and get pictures of my cat like on a table? Like do we live before that? Like what was life like before you could do that? Sorry, I just had something strike me <laughs> as you started talking, Andy. I'm so sorry. Hopefully not literally. No, no. This is why it's good we have a video video component when we record, by the way. Uh, so you can see that I really did have a visceral reaction to this thought. I was just thinking about um, the these Nest cameras having all this machine learning and how all that data is stored. And I'm just thinking very ahead because I'm just thinking about all of the companies that have had to give up their information to law enforcement for cases. And I'm just thinking about machine learning and criminal databases sorry i very much went no. deep in there it's no. just no, that's, i think that's england's just, already gone there for those people that live that's there a, that's They've an blanketed important their cities and, and cameras and they already know like where you are at all times so it's, it's just it's like really interesting to imagine a future we're talking about the future that's being constructed by companies that we are actively purchasing things from to imagine that in the future we could have these doorbells that are connected to some system. And that worries me to an extent about other things. We'll talk on a podcast another day, (laughs) but it is kind of interesting to think about like, that's the future that we're headed to, to have this database of faces that is connected to a universal database somewhere else where that information is aggregated. Like there's a person at your door that is currently like a wanted person or whatever. Like imagine that. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> no, there's – I. it's going to sound silly, but this is one of the reasons why uh, I want to have the – I want to have the uh, the advantages that of all this machine learning stuff, the stuff that enhances my life, such as – the doorbell being able to say, no, 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 this is your friend at the doorbell. This isn't just some stranger with pamphlets. So yeah, definitely you should you should definitely go answer this door. On the however, I have a much better time with the trade-off I make with Google, the deal that I make with Google, because I feel as though they're gonna keep that data super, super safe and secure. They have enough money and firepower that I don't as long feel as they legally if, can. Well, again, no, but I, I, that's that's. So uh, what what I'm worried about is that, for instance, if if my internet service provider were still uh, a company called Software Tool and Die in uh, <laughs> Brookline, Massachusetts, where I could actually, if I'm if I'm seeing a movie at the Coolidge Corner Theater around the corner from Software Tool and Die, I could stop in and look at my internet as it's being delivered to, as it's being prepared and delivered to me. If a, if a, a local law enforcement, they could knock on on that that office door just as I can and just ask for information about me, and maybe they'll give it to them. Whereas uh, Google is unlikely to do that unless there is they have absolutely proven that they have a they're either a, because of a civic responsibility that is overwhelming or a legal obligation which is also overwhelming. Uh, and if the, none of those things are are, are kept, they're not going to simply hand this information over. And we're seeing this. I mean, this, is, this isn't a tangent. It really is a, an important thing. Yeah. Recently, we saw a problem where so uh, uh, certain certain uh, federal and state agencies they can't just simply walk. They 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 can't or they won't simply take note of every driver's license that's parked in a certain block. 
However, there are companies that will send the private companies that use that information for all kinds of different purposes to sell that data. Uh, and so, but then the, these these same state and federal agencies that are legally prohibited from collecting that data on their own are perfectly free to purchase that data from a private company that's already collected it. And so we're seeing immigration and customs enforcement using that to round up people that they think should be deported because they can just simply collect all this data of what we're, uh, we're interested in license plates belonging to any of these thousand individuals. It's, oh, it's, it's typically, it's typically parked in front of this deli at lunchtime every Tuesday and Thursday when, when, uh, on a business operating day. Great. We will just wait for that person right there at that deli and we'll find it. So that's why it's, it's, this is, this is, uh, when, when we have time and at a party or whatever, and there's, why do you trust Google? The long version of this argument, is that there is no there is no such thing as being able to protect your data because at least in the United States of America you have no legal right to privacy of your data you should but anybody can collect this information anybody can repackage it and anybody can sell it and with all these AI techniques of crunching of taking tiny little flecks of information and using these 28 different pieces of information to solve for a very valuable 29th piece of information that unlocks everything if you're gonna if you're gonna be compromised anyway, I would rather voluntarily crop compromise data with Google. That's going to that is that's it's going to get me something in reaction to that, uh, and with a company that's going to do things okay. Because again, I can't stop the the car that's going to make sure that it knows where my license plate is in any given day. I'm not going to be able to. Uh, I can't not use the web where there are JavaScripts that will try to put a hidden. Have you ever heard about this? They'll put uh, they will put JavaScript form uh, JavaScript forms off of the viewable area of the content window that will simply have name, email address, uh, mailing address, so that to trick your browser's autofill into filling in what your name is, what your email address is, what your home address is. I can't stop. I can't protect my data by keeping off the web entirely. Uh, and until then, I, that, that's why I feel as though if I'm going to be in a downpour anyway, if I'm going to get wet and get cold anyway because of people stealing my data, I don't see the net, what I feel to be the small threat of Google abusing my data to be getting me any drier than I would be just by living on the Internet today. Living on the internet. Shall we go into our uh, last ad? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be cheerful. All right. I'm going to try and try and do something to show you. Ready for this? If if yeah. you're one of these giant companies that, that want to collect my data like surreptitiously and you're like, but I want to collect Russell's data 24-7. Like I don't want there to be any downtime. I don't want to miss any data collection. I'm kidding. I shouldn't link that to our sponsor. I should, should instead go to our, <laughs> our next uh, ad break. And it is, it is a service that I actually use. So I'm happy to talk about this. It is Pingdom. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. You can start monitoring your websites and service today. If you go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM, you'll get a 14-day uh, free trial. And when you enter the offer code material, I'm hoping you know how to spell the name of our show by now at checkout, you get 30% off your first invoice. So Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for anyone who has a site. And they do all this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, um, you might want to monitor the availability of one of your servers or a database or a website. No problems. You just go into their admin area, you click a few buttons, you can do that. Um, Pingdom takes care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site. 
checking its availability as often as every minute if that's what you choose or you can choose like longer times if that's not your thing um, and they'll watch it they'll give you response times they'll give you all sorts of other sort of information about your website and this stuff is really critical like if you run a service like we do for a lot of like pocket casts back-end stuff you want to know you want to notice that something's wrong before your customers do because the worst thing is if a customer contacts you and they're like oh your site's actually been down for three hours and i haven't been able to get to it and as much as i you know try and put on the voice when I'm, when I'm saying that, that's a bad thing. That's a bad <laughs> customer experience that you're like, oh, was that site down? Like I didn't realize. Whereas with Pingdom, don't have to worry about that. Every month, Pingdom detects around 30 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages every single day. So regardless of whether you run some kind of small website or you're managing huge amounts of infrastructure, um, Pingdom's able to, to scale to all that. Um, you can put in URLs, you can put in all sorts of various other things that you want to monitor. It's, it's quite flexible. So you, if this sounds like your thing, you should go check it out today. And you'll be one of the first to know when your site's down. So, again, I'll give you that URL, pingdom.com slash realfm for your 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you do choose to sign up, you want to use the offer code material at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. So we want to thank Pingdom so much for their support of this show and all of RealAFM. <laughs> Hooray. Well, we're kind of running long, so we'll go to something that's hopefully hopeful and short and and nice. <laughs> hopeful uh, short. I'm like, this is going to be a good one, is what I'm yeah. thinking in my mind. So get, go okay. ahead. <laughs> All, uh, so, so in Google News, they have joined the Universal Stylus Initiative. Uh, cool. Feel free, feel free to let your mind wander if that was a Universal Style Initiative, whether that would be like a dance group or whether it would be like some sort it's like of the project runway spinoff. Yes, <laughs> but would they uh, have bangs the, or no bangs, Flo? Uh, I would just have pigtails. Really. <laughs> which which one would be more fierce? Do you imagine? Because I think that we want to maximize the fierce variable in this equation. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Universal <laughs> Stylus Initiative. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, so this is this is an industry consortium that was formed in 2015 to try to create a standard for these really cool styluses that we're using uh, for art and for just for tapping on things. Uh, and they already have a the version 1.0 of their specification will encapsulate things like how the stylus sends data to the connected screen, stuff like uh, pressure levels, button presses, eraser operation. The idea being that instead of having I, – I, I, I have had times where I've had to travel with three styli because I have three different tablet devices yeah. and each one uses an incompatible stylus. Uh, and so the idea of Google joining it, meaning that maybe it's it's not just the idea of being able to tra to travel with one stylus, but also maybe now you want to invest in real in one really nice stylus that isn't made out of plastic and has some like wood accents to it because you know you'll be able to use it here, there, and everywhere. Um, unfortunately, still kind of early going. Uh, Wacom and Snaptix uh, are on board to, to create styluses that uh, use that. Um, as far as screen makers, Lenovo and Foxconn are behind it. But until uh, Apple, well, let's face it, Apple will never be on board. They're the they're the people oh, that heck just, no. They're the people <laughs> who said, "Yeah, I know that this USB specification is only like moments away from being ratified, but we're going to move forward with our Lightning specification because we think it would be okay for it to have a totally different compatible." But they've also compatible. convinced everyone how about how good the Apple Pencil is, and I don't even discount the fact that it probably is a little superior to what Google and. I would say maybe even Samsung have going on with the S Pen, which, by the way, the S Pen is its own proprietary thing. So that's another like Samsung and its own S Pen standard is another thing. 
<laughs> Spin. I, have you ever? I, I've literally this only just hit me, Andy, and I can't believe how stupid I am. But it, in the tradition, in the analog world, as we like to call it, uh, among the children, um, you go out and you buy a pen, right? And you don't have any concerns whatsoever that the pen's not going to be able to write on a piece of paper that you buy, and that's why you can buy. Like I'm not really into pens, but I know there's an entire podcast here on Real FM. All I about am into them. pens. <laughs> so you, you can buy a pen that potentially costs like four hundred dollars, and you can yeah. buy it with the confidence knowing that this is a really nice pen. I do a lot of writing. It doesn't matter what piece of paper. Or I buy from my, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Works in space, probably <laughs> upside down. Do you know what I mean? Whereas you, you can't. I don't have the confidence to go and buy a four hundred dollars stylus because it's like Andy says. Like I buy a, a tablet next year or a new laptop or something, and it's surprise. Like this stylus doesn't work with your thing because it's it's not universal, and that's that's really frustrating. Like you have to buy it from the vendor. You have to buy the specific one. If it breaks, you got to go buy their other one. If your thing's like three years old and they don't make that anymore, you're kind of like out of luck and I know you can get those generic sort of ones that pretend to be fingers and stuff but they're just not as precise and they don't have all the buttons and stuff like it. <laughs> the we, generic we ones need that the pretend to be fingers. We, <laughs> no, you've not seen those? You can get them from the iPhone. They look like little sausage Well, sausages because on it, the it would be disgusting to shove your pen up your nose. Think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what they're for? I never thought about that. The hook thing suddenly makes a whole lot of sense. Um, no, but you, you know what I mean? Like it's it's like I want this. I want this so bad. I know what you guys are saying. Like Apple's not going to get on board. But do you think Samsung might? No, heck like, no. no. Samsung's whole marketing thing for the S Pen is that it's like so much better than whatever anybody else is doing. Like their whole thing, their whole thing is that their S Pen is its own class of thing and they <laughs> develop like even the windows machines that use the s pen um are specifically proprietary for that s pen which it's worth noting also microsoft ha- has its own stylus standard right yeah <laughs> on windows computers called windows inc so that's another <laughs> damn it capitalism why can't you get together See, I, I could I could see Apple being so sniffy about it, saying yes, well, but yeah. we can we uh, our, our we ex- our users expect a certain level of performance and precision that is not available unless do. you tightly integrate the design of the hardware. You know, I I think that like the S Pen is not it's it's wonderful. It's not quite as you know sniffy as that. And if they were if 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 Samsung had the ability to say that. Uh, not only sell people a thousand dollar Samsung Galaxy Note, but also sell somebody a a platform of like four hundred dollar fourteen karat gold pens. There, because there are people. I, I've I've been like at fancy schmancy places where someone takes out of their the, the eight hundred dollar pocket of their five thousand dollar suit their Samsung Galaxy Note in the in the uh, in the uh, the hunted to near extinction leather case that they put the note in and you can almost see them sort of wither as they take this little plastic thingy out of the out of the holster of the thing they really want to be holding something that will they feel will intimidate people the same way that their uh, their endangered species uh you know last breeding pair of x species case does <laughs> No, exactly, Andy. Exactly, and why? Why can't this exist? I, I just want this to be a thing. Like, and I feel like I, I have a solution to for us, right? We just need to take all our sponsor money. We need to put it into a lobbying group, and we don't send them to the American government. 
we send them to the EU because they're the people that got the oh, yeah, that's the true. universal charging standard for phones and the whole thing. Like if we can just convince the EU that it's a really bad idea that everyone has their own style of technology, maybe environmental reasons or competitive reasons, I don't really care. We can put a we can put a think tank on top of this to come up with a good reason. But if we can convince the EU to mandate that if you still sell styluses anywhere in the European Union, they have to conform to this standard, then I think we're on to a winner. Like even Apple and Samsung will cave to that because EU is still a big place. Even after poor little Britain leaves, like we won't go there, but it's still big, still influential. <laughs> None of their pens will work with anybody else's pens. If that doesn't bring Britain back. <laughs> I reckon even wow. Mike, Mike Hurley. Said, oh, what has was, happened to us yeah. as a society? We can't no, even have the same s- page for stylus eye. <laughs> stylus eye, I like it. Styli. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, Whatever I, the plural it's, is. It's, I, I, I will go there. It's like here here is a here is a pen. I was able to buy the pen I wanted. I can there's no it doesn't use a proprietary ink. I can buy any ink I want. For some models of pen, I can like switch out the nib for some other kind of nib that I want. And it's like, you know, here's here, you know, I could I could fill this uh this uh $13 Excalibur pen with a much better ink cartridge, however I want, made by a different manufacturer. Maybe it's just because I'm an old man. I grew up with the – my first computer was an Apple IIe. The idea that you can pull out chips with a special pair of tweezers and replace them where they came, the, the manual came with every single breakdown of every single piece of code in the ROMs. You were free to change it wherever you want. I just like having – I have so little control over my life just as a general thing. I'd like to have a little bit of control over my pen, okay? Can, I, can you just give me that industry? And that is why I have a vase full of stubulo pens and markers in varying sizes on my desk <laughs> because I can. See, everybody has an inherent pen. You'll never take our pens away from us. <laughs> wow, Andy's holding up a fistful of pens. And this is and this on that even, note, this isn't even someone... the jar of like cheap crappy pens. This is the ones. This is the nice pens that I like to. I will make the choice like a club selection at the Masters golf golf tournament. Hey, pen addict, if you're looking for guest hosts, <laughs> there's three of us right here on your network. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about the Universal Stylus Initiative or Uzi for short. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uzi. Yeah, you know, Uzi. that's how they should market it. Bingo. Uzi. Then I think it would get a little more, you know. Oh, my goodness. You're trying to use a non standard stylus on that? That's terrible. Don't you want to do it the Uzi way? Come on, this is this is gold. We should we should sell this to some kind of marketing agency. Um, we should probably wrap this show because that's really sad that I probably will never get my Universal Stylus, but I want it, and I'm glad that, that Google's on board. <laughs> I want it, damn it. Um, Mr. Andrew Inartco, where can people find you if they want to find out where you're where you're beginning your lobbying efforts for this Universal Pen? I uh, will be raising the red banner of revolution at uh, my on my Twitter feed, which is Anatgo, as my Instagram, which is also Anatgo, my blog, which is at anatgo.com, uh, and the silly stuff about technology I write for pays at the Chicago Sun Times site at suntimes.com. And Mrs. Florence Ion, I, I feel like I should be able to figure out a long version of Ion that I can add on the end, but I, I'm coming up with nothing. Where can people find uh, your amazing work? Uh, my amazing work right now, I'm going into a smart home hole. So my amazing work oh, is, is going to be... Is that you can buy for your house? Like a smart home hole? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. This is just, one. I'm literally, I've turned my house into a giant like smart home exploration chamber and I'm just basically 
outfitting this house every week with some new some new kit. Like I, I don't know how else to say it. Just whatever is new. So my writings are a little scattered right now, but you can pay attention to me on Twitter <laughs> at oh that flow. Um, hopefully I'll have some. I I've got a lot of stuff brewing right now. I know I keep saying that, but it's like for real. That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and you can. I find don't know me. what else to say. <laughs> a good a good a good stew, a good spaghetti sauce, a good chili requires a good spaghetti long stew. sauce. That's what we're doing today. We're doing seven batches of spaghetti sauce. Someone stole a flows of spaghetti. Just because you realize you've got a lot of cool of containers and you need to do something with them, such as fill them with sauce and freeze them. Like um, to- total and complete aside, we actually do harvest the tomatoes at the end of the summer in the backyard, ah, and then we make tomato sauce for the winter because. <laughs> I, I, again, again. I, I don't. I don't have a family of five. I I, I live alone. No, this is just yet, for the two yet, of us. We love yet, pasta. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> but it's just like my grandmother always made like sauce, like and like this five gallon like u.s navy like we have earthquakes like, so you know then, you gotta then, you gotta make and then food she, <laughs> yeah she, she spent all day making sauce and then i say cool with containers because again it would be she's got the she's got that yep. cover that has every single plastic ice cream tub and cool container anything in a plastic with a lid that she bought like at the store two months and then at the end of the day after it cools down the fridge the freezer is full of like cool whip containers and ice cream containers full of beautiful beautiful grandma's sauce and to this day when i see a cool of container i don't think ooh, a topping for pie i think ooh, spaghetti sauce I, i'm not <laughs> lying i do not associate cool whip the cool whip logo impressed in plastic with anything other than an incredibly good meat red, red meat sauce Wow, you're making me so hungry, Andy. This is this is not fair. Um, if you want to find more about our show, you can find us at relay.fm slash material, and that's where you can petition us. If you want us to make the universal stylus addict instead of that silly, silly pen addict show, it's so analog, it's so old, <laughs> or if you want us to make a show about pasta sauce, you can also petition us there. Um, you can email us, materialpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I believe we're material podcast there as well. Um, if you really want to find, I've got absolutely nothing going on. I'm not a journalist. I've got nothing interesting, but if you want to find me, you can find me at rusty shelf on twitter and until next week may all your pasta sauces come in those amazing amazing containers